to say, yes, sir. And then the Bible goes on to say, eh, hey, if you are obedient, you are calling the Bible, Alaba Shake Bredo Sokolo. Hey! Hallelujah! Ah, no, let's do this thing. Give me First Peter chapter 3. I feel the anointing to teach this thing. The light, if the light goes on, it's not enough. It's not enough for the light to go on. The Bible says the light shines. It shines. No, my light will not just go on. No, my life will not just go on. It's not enough that you cleared. You have to be excellent. Your life, no, no, no. It's, it's not enough that you feel people. And he has put all things under his side, under his side, at arm's length. Where has he put them? Somebody shout, it's under my feet. going to read a few scriptures and then I'm going to talk. Uh, there are some things I'm going to say but for them to make a, uh, some sense eventually we need to read a few scriptures. How many are happy to be here? <clears throat> what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. The angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. What a mighty God we serve. The angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we He is a king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. If you love him, say his name. The songs are for Sunday school. They are for children. You are the adults of God. <laughs> Kai. <clears throat> All righty. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 13. <laughs> Why is everyone panicking? <laughs> Departments, the day will come upon you like a thief in the night. So like this, you are going on. What did, what did Peter say? To zwenga like. What's the word? In the, in the Chronicles of Edward, what did he say? You're avoiding us with the guys. They're going to see Ariana. Ariana, God will judge you. In fact, not just you, but your family. Give me Second Corinthians chapter 13. And the Bible reads, when Elisha was in his last illness, 
King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, the chariots and the charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14. It's saying something else. Huh? I said the second time. Oh, okay. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13. <laughs> I see. Okay. Also, oh, there's 2 Corinthians right before it, after it. So I'm mixing the two. When Elisha was in his last illness, yeah, King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. He cried. Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. The Hebrew word is buandalo. And the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his hand, laid his own hands on the king's hand. Then he commanded, open that eastern window. And he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram. For you will completely conquer the Arameans at Athic. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you'll be victorious only three times. So it's a situation where this king is in a lot of trouble. So he looks for the prophet and he finds the prophet. And the prophet asks him to do specific prophetic acts to help him out of the trouble. Okay. So there are certain things in life that may look normal. But they are God's methods to take you out of trouble. They may look like one of those things you're always doing. But there's a message behind them. That's why some things must be done. Amen. But I, I will get back to this. Um, so he ended up, since he just shot once the arrow. And then he just struck three times. The prophet was angry with him. He said, you would have just continued doing it. You know. But there's something interesting. I want us to look to notice on this scripture. I'll ask this question again. Why didn't the prophet tell him, why don't you just do it again? Like, I'm already here. Don't rebuke me. Don't tell me I'll lose. I still have more buandalos here. I can just pick them and start shooting and shooting. So it's over just like that. That's my question. Why was it over just like that? Why didn't the prophet tell him, or why didn't he just insist? Let me pick them and do it again. You know? That's the question we'll be answering. Second Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 7. And the Bible reads, Amplified Classic. Second Corinthians. Corinto 
Chapter 9, verse 7, Amplified Classic. What's Amplified Classic in Bemba? Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, in parenthesis, joyful, prompt-to-do-it giver, whose heart is in his giving. Whose heart is in his giving. So giving is qualified. What the KJV will tell you and what the NKJV will tell you is that God loves a cheerful giver. But the contextual connotations from the Greek are expanded in the Amplified Classic to show you what Paul was trying to communicate in the tone that he was using to communicate. So what Paul was communicating in full was that God loves he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling, he is unwilling to abandon or to do without, not just a giver, but a cheerful, a joyous, a prompt to do it giver whose heart is in the giving. Amen. <clears throat> now, a lot of times people give, but giving in this scripture is qualified. For parents, sometimes you give to your children because you have to. If you had your way, you'd have invested that funds into a gig, into a investment. But now you have all the five children. So now you have to make sure when you get paid, you give them each according to their need. And you can tell, some of you who've lived with your parents who have experienced this, you know it. Okay, now follow. Then you ask, Mami, I need to get a uniform. I need to get a school fees. What if I'm going to? Not that the money is not there, but it's not there for your purposes. The money is there to take you for school. That's it. Not for luxuries. My, my mother is that kind of a person. She's serious with things that matter. You have a uniform, you've gone to school. <laughs> We've given you groceries. We are the best parents. <laughs> Otherwise, once in three months, 200. You're not even surprised because we are speaking the same language, you and I. <laughs> Amen. So there are people who give out of responsibility. <laughs> then there are people who give out of pressure. Let's say they say, first fruit is optional. But for the leaders, <laughs> so deep down your heart you don't want. You know between you and God, even the devil knows, you don't want. But because of optics, how it will look, How it will look when they say the shit is out, it's been two months. <laughs> Deacon, sir, how come you're not featuring? So, because of how it will look, you end up doing it. Then there are those who give out of pressure because in some ministries or in some settings, they, they will check if you've not given. 
then they passed through to check who was given and who was not given. So also for you as a member, because of how it will look, you end up giving just to get them off your neck. That's sad. But Paul says no one should give out of pressure. As for the leaders in this church, we are expecting them to do it. They are not, it's not mandatory even for them, but they are expected to do it. And if they don't, then they don't fit into the leadership requirements. Because if you accept to be a leader, then you are basically saying, I'll be the epitome of the vision. I'll be the manifestation of everything you teach. For every other normal member out there, we may understand that's between them and God. But for you, it's between you, God, and the vision. <laughs> so I don't know how you fit here, but don't give out of pressure. Praise the Lord. Now, then there are people who give because they have a lot. There are different motives and reasons why people give. But then, what kind of giver does the Lord love? Then we are told. God loves. Then there are some people who give out of tears. Like the widow at Zarephath. Who God told, God is the one who told her to give under pressure. Because God knew there was hunger. So this thing for us telling leaders to give, it didn't begin with us. Can you imagine an entire God? You, there's no hunger here. There's no famine. But during a famine, he goes to a widow, not a rich man. And he tells the widow to feed a full-fledged prophet who was being fed supernaturally. Why didn't God continue to feed that prophet supernaturally? Imagine if there were one two of those days, or the Z diaries of those days, got wind of the story. Famous, notorious prophets, <laughs> Swindle's widow, <laughs> of her last meager earnings. So there's that, that widow who even cried. She was hoping that, because the Bible says to, God said to the prophet, I have commanded her. That means the prophet did not just jump on her. She had a chat with God and God told him, you are going to find a prophet on that door. Give him everything you have. She said, eh? Okay, you know, there's this thing that Christians love. Oh, Lord, I want to hear your voice. Hear your voice, hear your voice. Then finally you hear God's voice. <laughs> and the thing you greatly feared befalleth thee. So she's thinking, am I the one thinking or God is talking to me? No, in that dream it said 15 hours. Then she attempted to go at the gate 15 hours, pretending to pick firewood. Then just when 16 hours was about to corner, the prophet she saw in the dream showed up, dressed exactly the way he was dressed. <sighs> Maybe I'm thinking a lot. Can God really say this? No. So she continues picking the same sticks, throws sticks, throws sticks, just for control, just to, just to. And then the prophet, being a prophet, he perceived this is a woman who's to feed me. And he says, woman, oh, the woman. No, that's not what I'm asking for. 
And then the prophet didn't even go around. He just said, I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, we get it. Everyone is hungry. No, for the food you have. So sometimes when I look people and I'm hungry for their food for at their wedding. So it's specific food. I know you can cook me a meal. So, so it's not everybody's food. I'm looking for your food for at the wedding. Amen, Bentry. Oh, sorry. Oh, my goodness. My. Sorry, sorry. I, I thought it was in my heart. I thought it was in my heart. Give me. Then the woman complained bitterly. I'm sure she spoke Bemba. The prophet insisted. And the Bible says, those that saw in tears shall reap with songs of joy. So a time comes when you give out of obedience. Not that you want, but you want to obey. Obedience is not always exciting. That's why I tell you that obedience is not for the immature. One of the greatest examples we have for obedience is Abraham, who was taught to give his only son. The Bible even says, give me your son Isaac as a burnt offering. Then the Bible goes on to say, your son Isaac, the one whom you love. In case there was another Isaac in the vicinity, who was a spiritual son. So the Lord had to highlight that it's the one you love. <laughs> and then Abraham went ahead. So he was sowing Isaac with tears. I don't think it's possible to give what you love without feeling something. So it doesn't mean you hate the giving. It just means your heart has sensed that something has left the atmosphere. There are givings which you give. One time, and that must have been 2017. God told me to give a seed. And when I was about to give it, it was in my wallet. I kept looking at my wallet. I looked at it. It was looking fat and juicy. That morning before I gave it, the mistake Satan made is he visited me in the morning. In a dream. <sighs> Satan. Can you imagine, dur during a 40-day fast, Jesus is fast, then he gives him a vision. Arpama. Says, you don't have to do it. You have needs, and I, all my needs were before you. And then he gave me a track record of my giving. I said, yes, you are right. I do give. God will understand. And I woke up from that dream and I realized I was visited. I laughed. Mistake number one. At least if it was just through my thoughts. Now even as a gentleman wants to have a normal conversation with you. <laughs> it didn't come Nama saying, mm -mm. <clears throat> So I went ahead and gave that seed with tears. <laughs> Amen. So it doesn't mean you hate giving. It just means you have failed it. 
But then, and by the way, you will reap if you give like that. But then the Bible is discussing the kind of giver that he loved. That woman reaped from her giving. <coughs> but then the Bible is telling us the kind of giver that God loves. I'm sure you would want to know this kind of giver. Right? It says God loves a cheerful. He takes pleasure in prizes above other things. You know what pleasure is? Have you, have you ever had that feeling knowing that there's a 500 or a, there's a five pin in your account sitting? There's that feeling you get. Huh? Ubu Knowing that there's a five, imagine now there's a 5,000 USD sitting in your account. Hey, that feeling. <laughs> or what is your favorite meal? Served hot. The love for pleasure is so bad that some people, some people invented, invented, invented the word hot cake. I don't, I don't know if people are saved hot cake. Are people saved hot cakes? Well, only me, because you know the kind of cake I love. No cream. So when it comes out, but it's rare. So that feeling, imagine giving God that feeling. I don't know whatever he loves. For God, the Bible says, he takes pleasure in it. I was signing a deal with someone. When I just saw the money that was there with the labor work I was going to do, there was a feeling I got. <laughs> There's a way you walk. <laughs> You're not in a hurry. <laughs> You're not in a hurry. You know, I went with senior counsel. They were buying furniture for a certain company. Now, if you've been to furnishing world furnishing. What's that place in Cairo Road? Huh? It was around 17 hours they were about to close. Now, you, you notice the, the furniture there is 60,000, 48,000. You know, the cheapest maybe you find 6,000, like a small chair. Mm, second hand, 3,5. You know, it's bad. So there are all those, the reception desk. So, he carried me because he wanted me to just help him decide which ones would be best. So we enter that place. When I looked at the prices, I'll be honest with you, children of God. <laughs> I, I, I started remembering that, so that song. I am weak, but thou art strong. <laughs> and then the people were looking disturbed. And, oh, hey, what do you want? Then they said, no. You know, there's a way that we were walking, uh, taking our time. Then we were pointing, ah, we want to buy a few things. How much is that table uh, with all the seats? 57,000. Okay, put it on the quotation. Uh, how much is that? Uh, it's 20,000. Okay, you can add it. Then uh, there are those seats that uh, should be in the boardroom. How much is this? Okay, with the seats, it's going to cost about 58. Okay, you can add it. Um, you know, ah. So, me, I was the one panicking now. I was wondering, <laughs> <laughs> why are you taking the money? <laughs> now, when I noticed they kept ordering and ordering and ordering, I knelt before God in my heart and said, I am broke. 
just between me and God, I said, Lord, save me. Because how do you walk in a shop? And I saw the person who was rude and wanted to go, they, when they looked at the commission, they came down. They, someone is watching for me. Tell them to go, tell them to go. Yes, yes, yes. They were taking me. Yes. Oh, even that one. <laughs> yes. Nothing can't be sold in this world at the right price. He was walking like this, telling me stories. You know, Pastor Charles, you know, man of God. You know, he was so relaxed. I said, Father, I tap. <laughs> I tap. <laughs> I tap. So there's that feeling, there's a confidence. You know why Satan does not want you to be rich? There's a confidence you have that he hates when you have money. There's a way you walk. There's a way you walk. I've just seen this with, with, you know, sometimes there are these shops I go into a lot, and sometimes I leave a 50 kwacha, a tip, just to train myself to be rich. If you are rich, why are you leaving a one kwacha? So I'm just, I have a rich mindset. So there are these things I do. So there are times, you know, sometimes these cashiers, I won't mention which places. They can be rude. Because they don't get much. Me, I understand them. So you find, when they see me, they are even rushing for me. Oh, what do you want to get? They get a basket. People have lined up on it. I'm telling you two stories. One time I entered a shop, you know, I'm just wearing normally. Hi, guys. They all started greeting me, the cashiers there. And one... People are waiting to buy from her. She left the till, rushed for the basket <laughs> to say, oh, no, man of God, what do you want? I said, oh, pick me that. Pick me that. Pick me that. <laughs> Yours truly. Trying by all means to gather my humility. Amen. You can't know that you are humble. If you don't have, because you're already humbled by the situation. You will be rich in the name of Jesus. <laughs> so that as you are walking, you know that I'm walking because I want to exercise humility. You know, you, there are things you need to do to manifest humility. You do certain things. Because humility is not a grace, it's a decision. You decide to be humble. At least with my 50 quarters, you know, my two quarters, I was able to, you know, there's a feeling. It's, it's called pleasure. And God wants you to walk a pleasureful life. But the first dimension of pleasure, the Bible says, in his presence, there are pleasures. So if you can't find pleasure in the presence of God first, and then you find it in other things, you have mismatched priorities. And those things are likely to be your gods. Amen. Yeah. You know, after Love Sunday finished, 2,000 charity people had come to attend. Ministers are telling me, how do you do it, man of God? And I'm, the grace the grace. I preached before 2,000 people. And people came for, I didn't invite Chileshe. I didn't invite Ephraim. They came. That's, that's a lot of grace. 
They came to attend and to be blessed. And they sat there the whole time. And other people I didn't know came. came. The moment I realized that, whilst you had all gone, I came to lift chairs with the boys at night. Because you all left. You were all happy. Hey, rough Sunday, rough Sunday. So, <clears throat> because because I I don't want to my heart to lift because of the crowds I'm speaking to and how excellent the meeting is. So what I quickly, quickly, quickly do is I come here. I'm tired, but I'm lifting chairs with the boys, offloading, 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 offloading. I wasn't happy with it, but it helped me. The point I make is, you can't be humble by grace. It's a joke. It's a decision. I didn't even told you this, but I'm telling you this so that you learn something. Hallelujah. So imagine there's uh, 50,000 USD in your account. That, so I'm talking about pleasure anyways. So the point I make is God takes pleasure. Now imagine... You are the reason why God is working like this. When he looks at the angels, you don't know. I've got one day God, Satan is coming to say, hey, how are you? God is saying, what do you want here? God was too happy with Job that he went about saying, have you seen my servant Job? Have you seen? He's a godly man. You think everyone is corrupt? He's a godly No, Godly man. God was the one boasting because of the godliness of Job. God took pleasure in him. Another time, Jesus, Jesus wanted to take the mantle of priesthood. This is what I believe happened. Because John was from the Levite tribe. And he is the one that God raised in the spirit as the one who carried the scepter of priesthood in that line. So, to take away the mantle that belonged to the priests, the one for John and his tribesmates, and to have it on Jesus. Jesus himself, he had to humble himself before John so that John baptizes him. Meanwhile, I'm the one who created you, but it's okay, John. So when God, when God saw that the Bible says, the, and he opened the heavens, the heavens, were, the heavens were opened. That word opened is not opening the way that we blacks normally open our gifts. Make sure you remove the, the silo tape nicely so that you can keep the wrapper so that you can add it to your hardcover book. No. It's tearing. The Bible says the heavens were rained. That means God tore the heavens apart and said, this is my son. So it wasn't so, um, open the heavens. A quick announcement. (laughs) That is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Thank you. No, no, no. He didn't go like a technocrat, like like Deacon Emmanuel. No, no, he didn't. (laughs) He wasn't, he didn't follow procedure. No, 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 no. I won't say the next person. He went, he went, he went like a Judah person. Just reached, 
rent the heavens and said, I like this guy. That's my boy. That, that one. Eh, that's my boy. Have you, have you ever had a father who's proud of you? He takes pleasure in you. When I went, when I passed, and I went into one of the best secondary schools, I was in grade eight. That's when I knew that my father is proud of me. Every, every person would meet, eh, so this is my son. Uh, he's, uh, he's in, he's in, he's in, in his grade eight <laughs> at St. Francis. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yes, yes. As we are going, we meet another person. Oh, <laughs> meet my son. He's my second born. He's in grade eight at St. Francis. <laughs> we meet another person. Now I started avoiding him. I said, when we meet people, I would run away because I was now getting embarrassed. Hey, where is this boy? Come here, come here. <laughs> come here. Uh, so... I even knew, so my name is Daniel, I'm his son. I just, <laughs> just, let's just get it over and done with already. <clears throat> I didn't like it. When I grew up, I've also planned for my son. Because <laughs> I need to revenge. <laughs> Amen. And so, the point I make is, a point can come where God is proud of you. Do not be deceived. God is not just this old man with a bald head in a kimono and a long white beard with a whip waiting for you to make a mistake and then on judgment day, you will see. No. He wants to be proud of you. The things you do, you don't know their testimonies. Imagine, the Bible says, the Bible says, there is joy in heaven when one sinner gets saved. The God's way, is it the message Bible, the God's way translation who says, angels throw a party in heaven. When one sinner gets saved, what about people who are always leading people to Christ? In heaven, they are the ones they fear. Amen. So God can be proud of you. Then there are those that say, Chambeshi, Mwana wakualesa, kumuruati. Vare pisha enjoy. Mwana, Nisu minamu. You know, sometimes we have that member of the family. You, you accept them, but <laughs> they're a member of the family, but you don't look up to them. You stop looking down on them. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you are even thinking of someone. Stop. <laughs> you better be reliable. So that your family members can take pleasure in you. Amen. Now, I want you to look at, so the Bible says God takes pleasure in prizes above other things and is willing to, aban- to do or abandon, to abandon or to do without a cheerful. So now you have to graduate from giving with tears. Train your heart. If God, you want God to be proud of you. There are those, God, God the, 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 the offering, the giving is clustered with tears. And please, can, can she harvest quickly? Yes, you will harvest, but you want God to have pleasure. It's not just you wanting pleasure. You want God to be happy as well. Amen. So you need to do it cheerfully. You graduate to doing it cheerfully. That's why we dance and we stand during offering in this church. 
because we believe that an opportunity to give is an opportunity to be happy, to be cheerful, to be joyful, and to send waves of pleasure into the throne room of God. But during offering time, now I'm cutting offering. Now your sweat, your ah. Don't do that. Imagine if you were the finance director or the treasurer. So what you do is just be happy. Stretch it. Don't be ashamed. It's what you have. Nicely put it. Don't. Then you come and present it before God. No, 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 no. Also, listen. When you are giving, be deliberate about the offering you are going to be giving to God. About offering, be deliberate. It means you've thought about the value you have placed on God and the nature of the sacrifice. I told you that a sacrifice is not just a sacrifice. There's criteria that must meet the sacrifice. Number one, the Bible says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Number one, it has to be holy. Number two, it has to be acceptable. So holiness means if you earned it, you must have earned it properly. Not that you achieve at now for we need to sanctify offering <laughs> by giving your tithe. Who taught you that doctrine? It's not holy. Yes, it will come in the offering basket, they will use it for other things, but you it will not go into your account in the spirit. So, number one, it must be holy. Number two, it must be acceptable. It says holy and acceptable. Sometimes acceptability is a function of measure. Acceptability is a function of measure. When he was writing, the Malachi, the prophet, was writing, he was saying, when you bring your offerings, you bring me lame, lame ones. You leave your fattened calves and cows at home. Then you bring to God the lame ones and the ones which are blind. So, the issue is, if that's what you have, that's fine. But the issue is, you want to give God what is your least. So, God says when he's writing, he says, try to take that to your governor and see if you accept. God is complaining, he's saying, you value your governors more. You value your medical and insurance schemes more. There are some people, the amount of offering you've given to the insurance company, you've never given it. There are some people, the medical insurance you have, you've never given that amount of money to God. You value your hospital and your health more than you value God. I hope I'm not leaving you with questions. Oh, no. What if a person is sick? That's different. But have you ever thought about, Lord, I'm entrusting you because I know that my health comes from you, not from the doctor. So you place premium on the source of your health. It will show. So acceptability is also a, a criterion. It's a criterion for the giving of an offering. Don't do that. Someone say, I've heard you. Yeah. And the Bible says, a joyous giver, that's why we dance, whose heart is in his giving, understanding that this is a spiritual thing I'm doing. Listen, 
The issue of giving touches everyone. It's different if we are talking about ministry. For ministry, maybe some people are not called into it. But this thing I'm teaching, you must not think it's your neighbor's message. Take it as my personal message. It is your message. And don't take it lightly because it may determine a lot about you. Don't. I, I beg you in the name of Jesus. Don't. And what I'm sharing with you is very important. Huh? Then it says, I want you to mark the word prompt to do it. We're going somewhere. Prompt to do it. Give me the book of John chapter number 5 verse 1. I'm going somewhere. I was thinking of a song for going somewhere. Then I remembered we are marching to Zion. How many know it? Beautiful, beautiful Zion. How many know it? How many have heard of it? To Zion. But then the Bible says we have come to Mount Zion. So I can't sing it because why are you going where I stay? How can you have your cake and eat it too? <laughs> Anyways, people have issues. Give it to me in the NLT. There's something I want you to see. That's Luke chapter, John chapter 5 verse 1. Quickly. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays. Inside the city near the ship gate was a pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew how long he had been ill, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And morning went on and on and on and on. While I'm trying to get there, someone else tries to get in ahead of me. Da, 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 da. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your sleeping mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up the mat and began walking, but this miracle happened on a Sabbath day. Okay. So, give me verse. Okay, it's okay. So, you know the history of that porch was there was a certain period of the year when the angel would come and steer the waters, right? And the first person to enter would be the one who would be healed. Do you remember that story? But this guy was missing the time every time. Let's read one more story, then I'll say a few things. The book of Luke chapter 19, it will make sense, everything at the end. Chapter 19, verse 4. <clears throat> Luke chapter 19. What does verse 4 say? Uh, chapter 19, verse 41, rather. 
But as they came closer to Jerusalem and Jesus saw the city ahead, he began to cry. Let's go. I wish that even today you would find the way of peace. But now it is too late and peace is hidden from you. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts around your walls and encircle you and close in on you. They will crush you to the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you have rejected the opportunity. Give it to me in the... I want to read this particular part. I want you to give it to me in the NKJV. <coughs> And level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you in one. They will not leave you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. So Jesus is crying for them. <coughs> now, in the realm of the spirit, this is now the part that you need to pay attention. There is. Um, When you read the book of Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, verse 11, he says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not for the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and <coughs> chance happens to everyone. I told you when we were, when we were just beginning the year, that there are so many principles that we see in the flesh that have their origin in the spirit. And I told you an example of sowing and reaping. The idea of sowing and reaping, when you look at it at a farming point of view, and you look at it from a spiritual perspective, you realize that what we see in farming is the weakest demonstration of a principle that has been existent for ages long, past, present, and they will exist in the future. But for God to try to help us understand things that we can't see, he allows us to, to, to relate to those things by the things that we can see. So he introduces the principle of sowing and reaping. But there are deeper things above. For example, Jesus says, it is impossible for a kernel seed to multiply unless it is dropped to the ground and it dies. Then it can bring more of its kind. He was talking about reaping and sowing, sowing and reaping, but he was talking about himself. And the Bible then says it was befitting for him to make the captain of their glory in bringing many, the captain of their salvation in bringing many sons to glory to make him perfect through suffering. That is to mean in bringing many sons into glory. When God wanted to have many sons like Jesus, what he needed to do was plant Jesus. So then you see that the principle of sowing and reaping is not just something that is physical, but has its root in the spirit. That's why the Bible also tells us in the book of Galatians, chapter number 6, uh, when you begin reading it from verse 10, it says, Inasmuch as you have an opportunity to do good, do good unto all men, especially to those of the household of faith. But when you read before that, he's saying, The one who do not be deceived, for God cannot be mocked. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. And he who sows, in the spirit, we of the spirit reap life eternal. And then he goes on to say, um, what else does he go on to say? That's verse 8. Let us not grow tired in doing good. And then he says, for in due season we shall reap. Huh? I thought doing good is not sowing a seed. I thought sowing seed is just sowing maize. 
But then he says, let us not get tired in doing good. For in due season, as we keep doing good, that means he's now speaking spiritual language. As we continue to do good, he says, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Then it goes on further to talk about doing good in verse 10 and says, therefore, when we have an opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. And then what this means is you will reap more if you do good to believers. It, he's saying it's good to do good things to everyone, but what he's telling you in context that you will reap more if you give yourself time to do good things to fellow believers. This is why I don't believe that you should go and donate things outside when some of the people you are going with are broke. They have not paid their school fees. There are things that they don't have. So you find someone in the street and you give them all the nice things you can give them because you like giving. You are humanitarian and all that kind of philanthropy stuff. Beautiful. But you left fellow believers in the church who are hungry, who are not eating. So do good to all men. That's beautiful. But the Bible says, especially to those of the household of faith. In other words, if you come to me and you tell me, I want to go out and make donations in Kalingalinga, I'll tell you that's beautiful. But in your department, do you know there's that person and that person and that person and that person and that person who are in need? So can we cover? It's like me leaving my sons hungry, my wife hungry, but then I go out giving things out on the street. It's a good thing I'm doing, but it's below par. It is not acceptable before God. So in as much as opportunity presents itself, says do good to all men. But says if you find that one of them is a believer, let them go first. Because that one is a child of Abraham. They're a child of the promise. And when you bless them, it is not just a blessing. They will go and give praises to God. Because God has blessed them through you. Because there are many years of prayer have brought fruit. So forget all that nepotism stuff. I'm not saying nepotism or anything. If you find believers... For me, give them first priority. Are you listening to me? However, in the realm of the spirit, when you look at time and chance, there are two things. In physics, you learn about you learn about moment. And the moment is simply the turning effect of a force on an object. The turning effect of a force on an object. And it is measured by multiplying distance with force in Newton meters. So what this means is when we are trying to discuss what a moment is, we are basically saying, this is an object, right? I'm trying to explain what chance is, so you need to follow me. And so there's a force that has to be exerted, and it's being exerted in a certain distance, in a certain direction. I'll leave that. When it comes to time, there are two words that are used to, to describe time in the Greek. One of them is called chronos, the other one is called kairos. When we talk about uh, chronos, there are many other words, but these are the two major ones. When we're talking about chronos, we are talking about the natural time. 
the natural time as in it's 12 hours or it's been two years, you get my point? Or it's been nine months or it's been two seconds since the person passed or whatever it is. That is time. When you look at time, I will loosely say, not technically, I will say time is a constant. That is to mean it does not change. Now, technically speaking, in physics, time is not a constant because it can be altered by speed and by the forces of gravity. But I'm speaking loosely and I'm saying time, whether it's three seconds, whether it's two years, there will always be time. There will always be time. Whether you go back in the past, you always find time. Whether you go, whether you go fast, slow, there will always be time. You are following me? So time is a constant. And time is always there. Whether you have three seconds, you have four seconds, it has a measure when it's going to end, but it will always be there. So let's imagine time was a constant. We are imagining. time. We are in this realm called time. And this time is a constant. It's always there. But we are told time and chance happens to everyone. When we are talking about chance, for me, it's as if you are talking about this physics principle I've told you, which is called a moment. A moment has three most important things. It has got force, and this force I'm likening it to an opportunity or a grace. It's an opportunity or a grace. And these forces are not the same. They are not the same. So I'm trying to describe two things are coexisting, okay? There's time, which is always there. But then there is chance. Now, the simpler explanation for chance is that it is uh, a moment or a period when everything is proper. That's what you find. But I want to explain it so that you, are, you have a deeper understanding of it. So I'm borrowing the physics principle of a moment. And the moment must have, number one, force, right? Now, I'm likening force to a kind of opportunity or grace. There could be an opportunity for you to, to vibe someone. There's that chance you have. Because once they go to another country, maybe they'll never come back. I'm going somewhere with this. Sometimes there is a grace for something. Let me give you an example. The story I'm from reading to you, there was a grace that was there at a specific time of the year. So you needed to act that specific time. Otherwise, you'd be there for 38 years. You always have the time. But then the principle of a force is that it must be, it's different. There are different opportunities. It's a force. But then the other property of a force, unlike time, is that a force must be exerted. That means someone must provide it. In the case, there was an angel who would steer up the water and leave graces for healing there. And if you don't act like that man, he would be there 38 years. Because he is missing the exerted force. And then there's something also called distance. Okay? In the principle of moments. Now, distance, I'm likening it to basically magnitude. Distance is a scalar quantity. That means it only has magnitude. It has size. It doesn't necessarily have direction. So we are discussing it has, it has a size. Opportunities are not the same. There are some smaller ones. There are some bigger ones. 
right? And then finally, it has direction, a moment. So a moment which will come, or chance, when chance comes to you, it will have a force, which is an opportunity. It can be healing. Sometimes it can be a job. Sometimes it can be a business idea that strikes you at a certain point. And like in the scriptures we have seen, for that man, the King Jehoash, it was an opportunity to win a battle. Remember the first scripture we read in the book of Kings? There was an opportunity to win a battle. Then some of them don't always come every time. There are, there are two kinds of eclipses. There's the lunar eclipse and then there's a the solar eclipse. Uh, the lunar eclipse is when a lunar eclipse occurs when the earth comes in between the sun and the moon. So it casts a shadow on the moon. And then a solar eclipse occurs when the moon comes in between the moon comes in between the sun and the earth. And then the moon blocking the light from the sun casts a shadow upon the earth. Now there are some kind of eclipses that only occur 375 years. And what that hap what that means is the sun and the moon and the earth will have to find themselves in the same spot again for that kind of total eclipse to occur. Now, remember that this, the earth moves around the sun in an elliptical fashion as it's rotating over its own axis. But the same thing happens to the moon because it rotates around the earth and in an elliptic fashion. Now, the ellipse is a very crazy, confusing shape. So for it to align again, so that that kind of total and kind, kind of eclipse can occur is not a chance that always happens. So there are some opportunities that don't always come the way you expect them to come. Once they show up, they may never show up again. This is the reason why this guy was unable to find repentance. There was an opportunity also for a man named Esau to be blessed. There was that opportunity. And the opportunity... The capacity to release, to exert the force of the blessing on him was only to happen once in the life of Isaac. But what happened to, to Esau is that he lost that opportunity. And the Bible says, even though he sought it with bitter tears, there was no repentance found because that blessing could not get back to him. It's the same, same thing that is happening to King Jehoash. Where, this is so important where there's an opportunity, there's an opening in the spirit for him to win a battle. That opportunity has opened. And he's supposed to keep striking his, his spears. But he's wondering, what is this thing? He has no discernment. So it's like in the spirit, that opportunity closes and it can't happen again. So even if he begs the prophet, it's not the prophet who provided that. It was God in his own sovereignty that exerted that force. And that force has, has, it's an opportunity to win a battle. It's a kind of grace to fight. That's what it is. Then it also carries direction. Direction meaning chance does not happen to everyone. Chance is within time. Moments are within time. But whilst time happens to everyone, chances and moments happen to everyone intermittently. That means whilst time is happening to everyone, chances have direction. Remember, a moment is a vector quantity. That means <laughs> it, has, it, has, it has direction as well. 
So it is going towards someone. Sometimes a chance you are going to have, it will come to you. And you need to act in that moment. There are things in the spirit like that where you are given an opportunity to grow in a certain moment. You see, to have a church like this and pastoring at our ages, it means there were moments that were given to us and we yielded to that, those moments and we aligned with God. One time God visited a man named Samuel. Samuel was a boy and God called him three times. And if he missed that opportunity, it was going to take some other time for God to go back to him. Because there was an, a moment that permitted God to come to Samuel. Remember that God is a spirit. And spirits will always need permission before they can permeate the realm of the, the physical realm. So it means whatever happened, whatever prayers Anna prayed, whatever deal was set for God to manifest to Samuel at that time, he needed to respond. Because if he didn't, God was going to lift off. We may not know if someone was ever going to receive his call. So he needed to be guided so that he can take advantage of the chances and the opportunity. You see, when we talk about a chance, when we say time and chance, I told you, time happens to everyone because time is a constant. But chance does not happen to everyone because chance needs force. I told you a force needs to be exerted, meaning someone has to provide it. God may have to provide it in the instance. Someone's prayer may have to provide it. Your sowing and reaping may have to provide it. So it's not a constant. It may depend on certain things. Then it has direction. That means it does not happen to everyone at once. But it will go to a specific person. And I just wish all of us can begin to understand this thing now. Because there are those opportunities that God tells you, wake up, begin to pray. If you don't pray, someone will die. So there was a chance for you to redeem them. God knows you. This opportunity, once it opens, you need to take it. It has come to you. And it's a big opportunity. It's got size. But remember, you don't have faith to raise the dead. So God is giving you this chance <laughs> to intercede. If we take you to the mortuary, you'll just be crying. You remember, the, but mm, you just say, let me not embarrass myself. Let's just cry. And the reason why I'm stressing on this is that there are so many times when there are so many chances that happen once off like that. Once off like that. Once off like that. And you look back and say, I should have prayed. You know, something told me to pray. You now even call the Holy Spirit something. No, I just, it was just something that told me to pray. Why didn't you pray? Ah, well, I don't know. No, the flesh. You know. <laughs> are you listening to me? In the same way I told you, there are eclipses that will only happen every after around 375 years. So if you didn't watch that one, you have to live for around 375 years for you to watch the next one. You've missed the time and the chance. Some people may never see it because, you see, like when a shepherd, there's that, which one happened? Was it in 2000? When we were taking candles and taking glasses and putting them together and then we bend them, then we saw it. They would just be hearing stories. 
unless you're around for the next 375 years. Meaning there are also ways that God may have worked in the past that we will not see again. So what we need to do is awaken ourselves to the way that God is working in our day. Because time and chance happens to, to everyone. So these are the stories I'm telling you. Jesus was crying over Jerusalem because they chased him. And then he, remember what we read. His issue was he cried over them. He said so many bad things are going to happen to you because you missed your chance, your hour of visitation. That was a problem. The reason Jesus was crying was when he should have ministered to them at the time when Jesus would have come with all the angelicals and the capacity and Jesus was going to walk in the earth once. So he cried because they missed that window, that opportunity, that chance. That's why we read God loves a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it. That's what I was introducing to you. Prompt to do it, meaning there are some givings that must be done in the moment. You see, the problem we have is a lot, of, a lot of Christians, they are believers, but they are not spiritual. So they don't know how to harness spiritual moments. There was a moment when that angel was steering the waters. If you miss that opportunity, you remain sick. And that man was sick for 38 years. Not that heaven did not care. Because the in that time, in that period of time, the way that God was healing people was through those manifestations. It is in this time that Jesus has died for everyone and healing is everywhere. In that time, you needed to know how to access your healing by being clever, by seizing the opportunity that is presented to you. The time was always going to be there, but an angel had to exert the force and the direction was anyone and the magnitude was the magnitude of healing. So moments exist in time. But you need to be aware of those things. It says time and chance happens to everyone. Hey, are you listening to me? Some of you, the time that you should have made the investment, you went to school. The time you should have focused on being a footballer, you became an engineer. Now you are 32. You can never be under 19 again. There's that team called under 19. The opportunity has ceased. The relevance of a time is about the nature of the opportunities or the moments that are there. So the, when the Bible, for example, says that I will restore to you the years that the canker worms ate, he's not saying I will take you back to 1978 when it happens. He will say that kind of opportunity, that force, that magnitude, the force that was there, the magnitude that was there, and the direction which belongs to you, that you missed in that time, I will take that and I will bring it here. So sometimes what God has done is he has invented a technology in the spirit where if you missed some chances, and those chances are repeatable. There are some, like if you were 19, now you're 24, they can't change. There are some rigid chances, but there are some which can be turned. Where God will not make you 19 again, but you go back to when you were 19. And he will pick that opportunity, that moment that you missed, and you bring it back here. That's what the Bible says in the book of, in the book of uh, 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 Ephesians chapter number 5. It says, redeeming the time. Now, that word time is kairos. It, kairos means when everything is appropriate. Or we borrow the word moments. When the moment is present. It says, God is trying to tell us that we can redeem the moment. In other words, ha! Huh, I remember, there was a time I was praying. God showed me this. I never paid attention to it. We've got grace 
to go back into time and pick up the moments that we lost and bring them here and enjoy them. That's good news for us. Hallelujah. <laughs> ah, you see, the reason why I'm telling you this, there were times, I'll show you two testimonies and I'll close. There was a time I was sick. We were at Zaoga Forward in faith. Then they said, offering, I sat. I was feeling sick. So I had like, I think about a hundred kwacha. I was in school. I was probably in second year. I had a hundred kwacha this side or something like that. And then I had like five kwacha. So I said, I'll give a five kwacha to the Lord. I love him. So I cheerfully give my, <laughs> I gave my five kwacha. But there then I had, give the other one. I said, mm -hmm. I sat down. When I sat down, I heard the voice again, give that one. So I just said, you know what, I'm not even feeling no. I don't want to argue with my heart. <laughs> Fine. So the moment I put that thing in the offering basket, the sickness left. I've always told you that obedience is a test. This is why God does not tell you why you must obey. Every time you look back and say, hey, I'm glad I did it. If you look forward and you see the results, you, it, there'll be leakage. So you, it's not a test. It's a joke. So God will never tell you why. So now you realize that mm -mm, obedience is for the mature. It happened the second time. I was at Bread of Life. There was a meeting. I think Bishop Tudor Bismarck had come or something like that. No, 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 not that period. There's another man of God who came. So we went, that's back in the day I was still in school. I had a lot of money. I put it there. And I was not feeling well. I'm not saying giving is a source of healing. But sometimes you don't know how God works. Sometimes you may not be feeling well. You pray. But the moment you begin praying for another person, having the same thing, as they get you, that's when you get you. You say, ah, but how? You just do it. And so I put the thing there, the whole thing. The moment I put the thing, it's like the whole thing was coming out. I left it there. I said, hey. <laughs> Someone say obedience. Give me Genesis chapter 4. Twenda na yesu. Twenda na yesu. Give it to me in the KJV. And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now, this, if, if you didn't pay attention to anything, here, the thing I'm about to tell you, don't forget this. Because if you forget, love. And in, pro in the process of time, someone said process of time. <laughs> Meaning those words are not there just for being there. Because when we look, we are looking at time, you and I. 
and that the significance of a time is about the chances that are there. The significance of a time is as to the moments that are there. So the race is not as if the battle is not for the song, but let's replace the word, but time and moments happen to everyone under the sun. That time is moment. So it's not just, and it came to pass. It, no, no, no. And in the process of time, it came to pass. He's talking about a specific timing. In that process of time, now it came to pass. So that timing is talking about a specific moment was made. That Cain brought of the ground, brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Let's go. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth. He was upset. And his face was able to show it. And the Lord said unto Cain, why are you angry? And why are you even looking sad on your face? Let's go. I've read. If you do the correct thing, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do the correct thing, sin is lying at your door. Meaning there was a wrong thing that Cain did here. Number one, he did not discern the timing. Number two, he did not bring the correct offering. Remember, I'm telling you about the importance of doing things at the right time. There's obedience to giving, which must be prompt. I'm trying to teach you how to give spiritually. Huh? The reason why Cain's sacrifice was not accepted, the reason is there. The reason was because he did not do the right thing. So, now God did not tell him the right thing that he didn't do. The only way to know that right thing is to look at the brother's sacrifice which was accepted. Which is that he brought the firstlings. Meaning, it's not, it's, for me, it's not even about, no, it didn't have blood. That's what I used to think, but no. He brought the firstlings. That means he took all the firstborns. That's the principle of the first fruit there. There's a certain joy that you have, a certain parenthood you feel when you have your firstborn. There's a, there's a certain value you place on that child. And in God's culture, which the Hebrew culture also adopted, the firstborn is the one who was to inherit everything you ever had. That's why the firstborn used to collect a double portion. What, what Elisha asked from Elijah for was the grace for a firstborn among all his sons. That's what is called a double portion. Because the person who's your firstborn, when they turn 30, they are the ones who inherited everything you ever had. Then the rest would be given a few portions here and there. So this is a, when we are talking about the first fruit, it means you are giving your best. So that's why he gave the firstlings and their fat. That means everything about them that was best. Jesus is also known as God's firstborn from the dead. He is the firstborn, not in the sense that, not in the sense that he was the first person to be created, but he is the firstborn in an inheritance sense. That means everything is inheritable by Jesus. When the Bible says he's the firstborn over all creatures, he's meaning that 
He is the one who is to inherit all things, and all things be and exist through him. And they are a representation of him, and he owns all things. All things were made through him, and without him was nothing made that was made. Why? Because he's the firstborn. And firstborn does not mean he's the first person to be born from God. No, it was not God who birthed him, it was Mary. Unto us, a son is, no, given. It was a child who was born. The son was given. The child was born at the time that Mary gave birth to her. But the son was given when he obeyed and he was baptized by John. Then God gave us the son. There's a difference. So the child was born. The son was given. Jesus is also called the first begotten from the dead. It's also not trying to tell us it's God who gave birth to him. No. It's different. You need to understand terminologies and what they mean. So that's what firstborn means. It means heir of all things that belong to God. So if you have a firstborn in God's mind, that one is the heir of everything that belongs to you. That's why Deaconess Wandi was reading to us and the scripture was saying, give me all your firstborns. Because God was trying to say, if I have your firstborns, then I have everything you own. Because once you leave, your firstborns will carry everything. So it means if you give your God your first fruit, it means God has everything that belongs to you. And you're trying to say everything that I have, among many other things you are saying, and I'm not getting into that. Everything that I have, Lord, belongs to you. I've not left anything among my salary. Whether it was gross, it was net, what, 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 I brought everything. Mm. Because everything I have is yours. From today going forward, everything I have is yours. Just like it is already. I'm just confirming. But also, it's an issue of timing. Because the Bible says, Cain also brought an offering. God does not reject offerings. In the place where, in that time, when God was accepting offerings, him he was bringing an offering. When God was accepting first fruits, he was bringing an offering. So he was doing the right thing at the wrong timing. Cain was doing the, the right thing at the wrong time. So the moment, the, the demand for the moment was not met. This is why, what I'm trying to show you is, when it comes to first fruits, it's better you do it in the time that has been given to you. Honestly, for me, here we don't accept a first fruit that comes after the period is given. Why? Because from everything I've taught you, I know that when I collect this money, you will not be blessed. So it will be hypocritical for me to collect that money. It will be hypocritical for the church to use that money when it knows that you will not be blessed. It's different when you say, we have not been getting paid. Do you understand? Then we got paid two months later. But between this Sunday and next Sunday, if you can't give because you have, you've got pressure, leave it. It's not because we are fritaling. It's because of the thing I've taught you. We will collect the money, yes. If you insist, I'm sorry. You. But then, because you didn't do it in time, I will feel like the church is grabbing from you what God has rejected. I don't, in the time that God told me to give my first fruit, forget it. My wife and I, we 
instantly. We don't even think about, we stop thinking about. I hope you have a wife who also stops thinking about it. Otherwise, these faces you are following. Obedience must be done in time. The moment God tells you in this period, do something. Within a moment, there is direction. It has come to you. There's a size. Then there's a force which has been exerted, exerted the kind of opportunity. This is why you must obey in the moment. I beg you, as you go up in life, do not delay obeying God when he tells you, stand, stand. One friend of mine was, was standing. Then he was sharing with you here. Then he heard God say, take a step forward. And he was thinking what? The moment he took it, then a drunk bus driver passed just there. Voo! And the bus just missed him a little like this. So the opportunity to continue living was in that moment. Let's stand. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> ah! I hear someone saying, but pastor, I should have taught this one month ago. No, I also had to teach it at the right time when God asked me to do it. Have you seen now I have switch, I've been switching titles? We are doing this, we are doing that, that one we are not done. I'm also trying to stick to moments. When God tells me, teach this now, I have to teach it right there and there. So now that God asked me to teach this, it was the right time for you. I don't work, but I want to give my first fruit. Do it. The blessing doesn't care when it comes. As long as you did it, even if you did it in faith, you 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 partake, you partake of the blessing. Even tithing, even if you don't work, but you normally have money, begin practicing it. Do it. The blessing doesn't say, and then God will bless you if you work. No. The blessing comes because you obeyed and you gave. Hallelujah.